0: Well, we got an exciting day, Uh, uh, the most exciting thing you can ever do, even even more exciting than child dedication, and that's pretty exciting, is uh, baptism. (laughs) Is there anything better than baptism, water baptism? Nothing. But uh, I do want to give you a message from the Word of God uh, before we do baptize uh, our friends here who are going to follow the Lord in water baptism. So I believe I have some water somewhere. I think that's my water right there, Maxine, if you could bring that to me. We will prime the windmill today by w- putting some water in it. <laughs> hey, I believe we have guests here today. Not, I mean, not guests, I'm just saying. Um, uh, I think I saw Carissa Straining back there. Carissa, welcome, welcome. <laughs> and uh, Brandy Godette, are you there? Brandy Lee? I'm really glad to have you guys visiting from Wisconsin. These are two former staff members who abandoned us. We love them anyway, right? Okay, uh, we're starting a new series today called Thankful, leading up to Thanksgiving. But uh, the, we're going to jump off, the jump off verse is going to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. So let's read that, and then we'll get talking about it. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, what is an empty thank tank and why it makes sense? Because I'm going to talk to you today about refilling an empty thank tank. How many of you think you might have an empty thank tank? And I'm thankful. So you're going to see this is more than just about being thankful, which it is about that. But uh, I really thought I was thinking about this morning. and I said, you know, I need to be in the audience this, for this sermon. Because I need help with this. So I can't be in the audience and be up here. But to just take everything I say and say, think to yourself, the pastor really needs this. And pr- we're going to pray for him. You know? and the, and the, I grew up in a, a, a really interactive uh, type of church when I was a kid. And, uh, and when I first started preaching, when I was a kid preacher, there would always be three or four uh, older ladies in the congregation. who, While you were preaching, they would go, bless him, Lord. So I need a little of that today, all right? Not because because I'm angry at anybody or anything like that, but I need this sermon. I need this message. I need what I'm going to talk about today. So uh, when I point one finger at you, I'm pointing three at myself, all right? Uh, Okay, today's sermon is not just a simple call for optimism. I know it sounds like that, and I believe in optimism. Optimism is a biblical concept. Uh, the Bible has the best psychology in the world, in the Bible. So we believe in that. We're psychological creatures. We're not just spirit beings. We're psychological and mental creatures. And sometimes we do have to talk ourselves into feeling positive. We uh, We have to see the glass as half full instead of half empty. But this is not just a message about positivism and a half glass full, empty glass idea. But it's a challenge. This is going to be a challenge to embrace a completely different way of thinking. Similar to the first century Christians who consistently demonstrated thanksgiving in joy and praise and thankfulness regardless of what they were going through. When they, when, when, when they couldn't just create a list of stuff to be thankful for and talk themselves into thankfulness. There are some points in our lives when we just can't talk ourselves into being grateful. There are some points in our life where we just can't count our blessings. We always need to try, but with some points, it's beyond that, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The early church demonstrated this joyful praise, this gratefulness, advertising the hidden reality of Christ's dominion. Someone said joy is the inner knowledge that Jesus Christ is triumph in all things, triumphant in all things. I remember talking about um, counting our blessings and the joy that can come from that at times in our lives. I can remember it was probably probably around the year 2000, 2001, something like that. I remember uh, it happened something like this happened more than once, but I mean, everything was going so great. And, and uh, I remember, one day in particular, I remember driving off the parking lot and saying, God, I can't believe I get to have this job. God, I, I feel like pinching myself. I can't believe I get to do this. This is so amazing. And some of you remember, some of you around you remember those days. Most of you don't know about those days. But some of you remember those days. And I remember we had, uh, we had a thing called 40 Days of Purpose. And we were running about 75, 70 or 75 people coming out on a Wednesday night Bible study. And we we went to over 300 people going to small groups like that during this campaign. And uh, when I would go look at the uh, finances of the church, we had this enormous cushion. We were packing out the gym. We were meeting at the gym at the time. And that's where I was at. I I was at a count your blessings thankfulness stage. You know, I was to count my blessings. Isn't God good? I mean, the the American dream has come to pass in my life. God is good. God is on the throne. Jesus rules. (laughs) But what is described in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is not just someone counting their blessings. That's what I was doing, though. Good fortune will not keep your tank full of thanks. Life is too complicated. Political systems are too corrupt. Humans are too fickle. And nature itself is just too volatile and unstable. Look at the current events. Today we're still reeling from October the 7th. When terrorists from Hamas, Palestinian terrorists from Hamas, attacked a music festival in Gaza, Killing 1,400, those approximately 1,400 civilians, torturing them, killing them in unbelievable ways. Uh, we're just all reeling from it, and and then taking something like 250 uh, hostage. And those type of situations, especially, I, I've had, I've had to block out some of it. I've had to not watch some of the videos because it's just. Too stark and too too difficult. <clears throat> uh, also, just the political polarization that we're in right now. the political polarization is not, nothing I've ever seen, you know uh, back when back when Tr- D- D- Donald Trump was president, I had uh, I had uh, I had someone I, I got up here one Sunday, and I was just goofing off and I says. Because I was talking about the blessing of God. It's God's blessing us so much. I said, we just keep winning. We can't stop. We can't help winning. In course, I was spoofing on Donald Trump. And so, somebody was in my office the next day. What do you mean? Legitimizing his presidency. How dare you legitimize him as a president of the United States. And, and they left the church. They, they left. Because I was legitimizing Donald Trump as president. And um, I won't even tell you what I said. It doesn't matter. At um, the same time, I, I same time I had I uh, it wasn't. Sometime after that, it was someone someone left the church because there weren't enough Donald Trump supporters. <laughs> really, they, they they told us we want to hang out with people who talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> so I just found out that we're in a time when if you're a pastor, you're wrong. You are not. You just got. Uh, you're wrong, whether what you do. Um, then, of course, um, can somebody bring me a box of Kleenexes? I, I don't want to. I wasn't feeling well early in the week, and I'm. I'm. I'm just. Uh, I feel great today, but I'm. But I. Some of it's hanging on. Oh. Uh, what about the cultural isolation that Christians feel right now? There's this. People are coming to my office and they're saying, Pastor, I feel exhausted. I feel exhausted. We feel exhausted because there's this sense of cultural isolation. You know, it it seems that secularists have public education. They have the university. They have the corporations. And they own entertainment. That's, that's really different from where America used to feel like it was. Now, we were never as godly as a lot of people thought. But uh, the, if you really start studying who we were underneath, we weren't this great Christian nation that many people thought we were. But nevertheless, Christians had a big voice. Christian, I remember when, a, 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 in fact, an, a, an Assemblies of God evangelist was on the cover of Time magazine. And he was said to have, he was said to be the most listened to voice in America. That was during an era that I lived through. Well, that's not the the case anymore. There's, uh, There's great inroads and secularism has made a huge inroad into the church now as well. So we're experiencing that stress. And then there's just that feeling that everything's out of control. I remember right over here a few months ago, a guy says to me, Pastor Phil, it seems like the bad guys are winning. Constantly the bad guys are winning. So then, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that is all your personal struggles. On top of that is children that are not doing well, divorce, cancer, all kinds of stuff that has happened to all of us it one way or another there's all the personal stuff and, and you, you come to this grim discovery that amidst all the wonder and beauty that there truly is in the world and I don't want to say that I don't see that all the beauty and wonder and wonderful people and so many of you are what, the wonderful people that are sitting here in the congregation this morning and who've been so loving and so kind and so amazing. In the midst of, though, you come to this grim discovery that the Buddhists kind of had it right, that life is suffering. That life is always has a certain amount of suffering. And, and, and the only way to get through life is to find something worth suffering for. Find out that your mission in life is actually worth the suffering. But but I'm telling you, just just figuring out that I'm doing something worth suffering doesn't bring you a lot of joy. (laughs) It doesn't bring me a lot of excitement. Oh, at least it's it really stinks. My life really stinks. It's really hard. It's really difficult. And I'm really getting kicked around. But it's all worth it because I have this goal that I'm reaching for. You know. I believe God has something better. Then white knuckle, gripping, hanging on for dear life, waiting on the end. What does our text say? What does our text say? Rejoice always. Rejoice means to brighten up, by the way, in the Greek. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God always has to remind His people not to settle for a thankless life. Psalms one thirty seven four is an amazing verse. It says, "How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land?" Now, now that scripture was written about Israel when Israel, as they've had a history of suffering, and and and. And, and just read the Bible, you know they're, they're not colonizers. That's the most ridiculous, incredible idea that's being promoted around our college campuses and around the world that they've colonized. I mean, they are the indigenous people in the land of, of promise. And uh, but anyway, this is one of those occasions when they've been attacked, and, and, and the whole nation, just about, has been transported to Babylon. They've been taken captive in Babylon, and, and yes, it had to do with their disobedience to God, but nevertheless, they're in this situation. And, and their captors and their abusers start to taunt them and say, oh, come on, sing some songs for us. Take your harps down from the tree where you put them up in the willow trees. Take them down and sing for us and dance for us and sing some of your songs. And their response was, how shall we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? The point of Psalms 137.4 was not that God was demanding the Jews sing his praises in Babylon. That wasn't the point. They were being mocked by their abusers. To be sad at that point was, to, was a holy thing for them to be sad. They were actually correct to refuse to take down their hearts and sing songs of praise. But the Messiah, their Messiah, and our Messiah, in a conversation about being filled with living water, by the way, to an empty Samaritan woman whose tank tank was empty... Reveal that he was consecrating in the New Testament under the new covenant, he was consecrating our bodies as sacred centers of worship so we can now sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land. John chapter 44, verse 21 23. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when I will no longer it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. The salvation comes from the Jews, but the time is coming indeed. It is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him. So what, what I'm talking about at this point is... Recovering your thankfulness, recovering your joy, recovering your praise when you're in Babylon. When without Jesus there would be no praise, without the accomplishment of the Son of God, on the cross with his resurrection, his ascendancy to the throne of God, and the fact that he will triumph in all things and is triumph in all things, and he has the ability to do something spiritually supernatural in your soul that will cause praise to come forth when you're in stocks in a prison at midnight. We had a baptism orientation a few minutes ago, and I don't know, uh, we had... In, in the classroom, one there, they've, there's some actual stocks that that's on the desk. I don't know what those are doing there. Is that what you do to students now? I haven't been over here much. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I believe it was Chase, of uh, 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 one of Jen's kids. He comes and finds me out in the hall. He said, "Is that going to be part of the baptism?" <laughs> no, no, no. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't demonstrate the punishment of sin before we put you in the water. Christ took care of that, Chase, on the cross. That's why we have a reason to rejoice. Now, if you go back to the, our text and you go back to Thessalonians, Thessalonica, I, I, won't, I won't chronicle all of... Uh, it's all on my notes, but I'll skip over some of that. But you, you go to First uh, Thessalonians, I mean, Acts chapter 17, and you will see... That Thessalonica was a volatile place. Apostle Paul had to leave there early because of a riot. He seemed to have revival or riot wherever he went. And he had to leave there early. And uh, All the Christians there were new Christians. They were just coming out of idolatry and let that sink in. But By the way, every sin that's challenged... I've I, I got to say this. i got to take a side trail and say this. Because a lot of people uh, are looking for uh, utopia in a church. And I always remind them, read the epistles and read of all those horrible sins that Paul and James and others talked about and warned people and told them they need to stop doing. Do you think that was written to the culture? It was written to Christians. All those sins that are being told that people need to stop and all this stuff that was going on, was all written to church members. I I thought that would mean more to you. (laughs) It always means a lot to me because it it encourages me. So don't be so discouraged, Phil. God's people are a work in progress, as you are. So, although the Thessalonians were also worried about the end times, like some of you are, They, they were worried about the end times and when Christ was coming. And uh then there were issues of people in the church who didn't have a good work ethic and they weren't contributing to the needs of the community. There's bad news and, and there's bad news. I got bad news and bad news for you. The world is not going to keep your think tank full. And you say, "Well, what's the bad news?" Neither is the church. You're going to have to discover a relationship in the will of God with Jesus Christ that transcends what everybody does and everybody thinks. by the way, we can. Tr- we, by the way, tr- tr- trouble can empty your tank, but so does prosperity. So does success. Hosea thirteen six says, "When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me." So you're kind of stuck. I told you it wasn't going to be a count your blessings kind of a servant. God always, though, has to lead us to maturity that's beyond blessing counting. Give thanks in all circumstances. I'm going to read it again. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What, was it wrong for me to rejoice and give thanks when everything in this church and ministry seemed to be going so perfectly well? No, it wasn't wrong. That's biblical. It would be wrong not to but that default is all that modern materialistic society understands the default of when the material world is going good then we can rejoice Democrites uh, was an ancient Greek philosopher who was primarily associated with the belief that humans and the universe are composed of tiny invisible article, particles called atoms he believed that there was no deeper meaning or purpose beyond that. There was no deeper meaning. There was no purpose behind creation. And that and The natural world could be explained purely in terms of these material particles and their interactions with one another. <coughs> he laid the foundation, by the way, for atomic theory. But he also laid the foundation for secular, meaningless existence. In his view, we were just a clump of atoms. But our text refers to you being in God's will. It refers to God's will for you in Christ Jesus it refers to something higher than the material world it refers to my creator Jesus it refers to my redeemer Jesus and that I am a part of his eternal plan and something incredible has happened to me that I've been saved and, and born again by the spirit of God and I've been transformed to set with Christ in heavenly places And, and, and if I but, but if I do not learn to appreciate the spirit world and what God has done in the supernatural I will be just like democracy and always look for the atoms to line up properly. I will, I will opt for a purely mechanical existence. See my new iPhone? How are you doing? See my new iPhone? Well, are you in the will of God? Are you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you winning, bringing other people to Christ? Are you building the kingdom of God? Well, i got a new iPhone. We have got to be open to a profound transformation of our perspective. It will not rob us of continuing to count our blessings, but as a path to thankfulness, it will create emotional stability. You will stop going up and down with the material world. It will ground us in the purpose for which we were created, which is to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. We have, we, have, we have all become idolaters to the material world. We've become idolaters to stuff and, and material circumstances. And we're trying to fill a void. I know it's been said, and it's a simplistic thing. Every preacher has said it. We're trying to fill a a void in us that can only be filled by the glory of God. It will also open us back to supernatural experiences provided by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm about ready to just become a Pentecostal again. Because people need to experience the presence. And power of God in the current day we live in we'll try to avoid some of the insanity that <laughs> I experienced in my early Pentecostal days. <laughs> Whenever God's people have elevated counting blessings above glorifying God, we have drifted into idolatry. Whenever God's people have elevated political alignment. Above glorifying God, we have drifted into compromise and corruption. (coughs) Whatever God's people have focused on enjoying God and glorifying God, they have experienced overflowing joy, regardless of circumstances. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was going to happen, or I would have let Sherry preach. (coughs) What was the rocket fuel that launched? Now, this this is what I want to bring this to right now. What was the rocket fuel that launched the fledgling Church of Jesus Christ from obscurity to international influence on day one? What was the rocket fuel? You think about this. this. This is incredible. Think how long it took for Joseph Smith's vision of the angel Moroni up in Vermont or New York State Think how many decades that took to take hold and see the Mormon church take off. Think how, think it literally took centuries for Muhammad who supposedly had a vision and a visit by the angel Gabriel to have his revelation and write the Quran. Think of the centuries it took for that to take hold and be known and become an international matter. Buddhism never really left the East. Only in modern times you have some New Agers dabbling in the Eastern religions. But the Christian religion on day one, on day one, became internationally connected. Because a crowd of people from every nation, the Bible says in Jerusalem, were in Jerusalem and heard something that day that changed history. So not only did it spread from every nation, but 3,000 people became members of that church that day, and before the persecution scattered them, there were 200,000 Christians in Jerusalem. What was the rocket fuel? What was the rocket fuel that launched the fledgling church of Jesus Christ from obscurity? Was it a promise of political dominance? What was it? Was it, was, it, was it just because it was so cool? This is a cool man. Everybody's doing this. This is going to be cool. This is, going to be, this is going to be radical. This is going to be awesome. Everybody's going to love us if we do this. All your problems are going to go away if you, if you sign up to follow the guy they just murdered. Just just sign up to believe in the guy that they just murdered. Just give your life completely to him, and, and it, it, you won't have any. You, you want to get elected, you'll get elected. there will be no problem. If you, if you want to get that good job, follow Jesus. If you want to have money in your bank account, follow the guy that they just crucified, the slave, the slave that they just crucified. Everything I've said is absurd, because it was all the opposite. There was no, you, you, they, were, they lost their inheritance. They lost their homes because they made this decision. A lot, the, all, 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 uh, all the disciples, all the apostles, except for John, was, were martyred. And, and, and John, John didn't have it so good because they boiled him in oil, and uh, he survived it. So I don't know if they boiled me in oil, I wouldn't survive it. I, I just don't think like, that's something I want to survive. I think I would rather go and be with Jesus somewhere in the middle of the boiling, right? But you know you know why the church you know why the church became the church? I'm going to tell you what what was the rocket fuel? What was the rocket fuel that caused the church to become the church? What was it that caused this thing to catch fire? What was it that caused this thing to happen so that there's like Three billion of us in the earth today? I'll tell you what it was. Acts 2.11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. They said, there's something supernatural about this. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue, that was the culture's first encounter with the Christian church. The end result of that encounter was those who accepted the message were baptized and 3,000 were added to the number that day. It was a witness of ecstatic thankfulness and praise to God and nothing else that caused them to say, we want to be Christians. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. You see we can pray through to the right theological positions, and we should, by the way. I'm all for that. I'm all for studying, discovering the right theological positions the best we can. Let's do it. Let's let's get it right. We can pray through, though, to the right moral convictions, and we should do that. We can pray through to knowing how to create educational alternatives for our children, and we should do that. We can pray through for the money to finance the church so it can fulfill its mission to be a countercultural option, and we should do that. We can pray to God to use us as conveyors of compassion to a culture that rejects our faith but will still accept our charity, and we should do that. We should pray through to that. But if we don't become a house of celebration, praise, and thanksgiving, we're just another conservative think tank the Heritage Foundation, or the Hoover Foundation. If we don't become a house of celebration, praise, and thanksgiving, our meeting will be devoid of the movement and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. If people don't display, if we don't display visible joy and thanksgiving to outsiders who dare visit our services, we've ignored the secret sauce of the early church. (coughs) Now, I'm not questioning your salvation. You can be saved and completely empty of the Holy Spirit. I need to say that again? You can be saved. You say, well, I was filled with the Spirit one time. Yeah, but you leak. (laughs) So, the waters of baptism here that we're about to have celebrate right now, is celebrating our being transported into a transcendent kingdom that transcends our material world, that transcends all of our problems, that transcends everything that this world has to offer. And that does not mean that we should be weirdos who don't enjoy this world. That does not mean that we should not give thanks for good food and good celebrations. We had a wonderful wedding celebration last night in Norwood with, uh, w- with, with Hope and, and what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew. He's on our board, so I should remember him. <laughs> we had a wonderful celebration. The food was good. People were dancing, and I didn't, I didn't ever get around to dancing. I should have, but I didn't. Great. Enjoy life. but the gospel is a transcendent gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ is a transcendent gospel that transcends the earth which is why early the early church that in most respects that I can think of had it worse than we do and I think we have it we think we have it bad right now and we have different there are some difficulties but there was an unbelievable joy that characterized their worship, and it was attractive. So conclusion, this water baptism is a means of celebrating our being transported in the kingdom of God to sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. In the presence of the Father, and the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. And at the right hand, or at His right hand of pleasure, so remember. when there's not fullness of joy in your kitchen or your living room, or even in corners of your church, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God. Maybe you need to visit the right hand of God. Maybe you need to take a visit to the throne room this morning. And who knows? Maybe you'll find out your earthly problems aren't so bad. (laughs) Amen? Well, I want to invite... uh, Amanda Smith, the prayer partner, is going to help me out right now. We're going to to baptize some folks in water and celebrate the transcendent kingdom.